everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today, I am in the studio with Ben. What's up, guys? Ben is back, and we are talking 2 Corinthians 2. Can you not say my last name? Ben Krejci. Krejci? You got it. Good job. I, I got, you know, last time I struggled, but I've really been practicing. You're killing it. Thanks. I haven't been practicing. <laughs> I just said that. I really was flip, doing a coin flip there in my head as I said that. But we're here, and we're talking 2 Corinthians 2. We are. And uh, I say we just jump right in. Let's do it. Okay. So the chapter opens up with this verse, verse one, uh, right off the bat, honestly confused me a little when I first read it, because Paul says in verse one, for I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. And immediately I was confused because I thought, man, as believers, aren't we called when we see a believer in sin? or someone sins against us, to go to them immediately. And here I see Paul saying, hey, I decided to uh, not come talk to you, which Mm. on one hand is a good reminder that Paul's a broken human too. But as I was investigating this, commentators think that Paul was acknowledging, hey, this is going to be a hard conversation because he took a lot of joy in seeing his friends faithfully follow Jesus after introducing them to Jesus. Uh, but he also knew that this hard conversation he needed to have with the Corinthians would produce some hard or difficult emotions in both both parties involved, himself and in the Corinthians. So this commentator uh, said he decided to postpone his visit. Evidently, if Paul had come to them as originally planned, he would have had to rebuke or discipline them for some situation that existed in the church. Instead of doing this and producing sorrow, he decided to wait and give them an opportunity to deal with the problem themselves. And I found that to be really comforting because oftentimes we can believe the lie that we need to play God in somebody's life and run in, tell them what they did wrong and correct them and really just lay down the law. But there is this reality that we can leave space appropriately for the Holy Spirit to work in someone's heart and convict them. But at the same time, Paul's still following up. And we, when we read this letter, we Absolutely. get to see that follow-up. He still follows through. Oh, yeah. And and we're, you know, again, stepping into a context, like with 1 Corinthians of this theme of correction. So that some of the stories in, in 1 Corinthians we read and we, we say, okay, well, I don't know what's going on. I don't know the situation. And part of that is we're reading someone's mail. Yes, literally. We're reading a, a, a literal letter to them that they have experiences that they know what they're talking about. We see that in verses 5 through 11 in this passage. And um, even in reading this, a lot of people will look back and say that, oh, well, this is the same offense in 1 Corinthians 5. And well, that might be an option of what it could be, but a lot of other people think that it was someone who was rude to Paul or just probably challenging his uh, apostolic authority. And so we see, you know, f- through 1 Corinthians, this idea of correction. Yes. But I don't know if your Bible says the same thing. It's a little summary header. It says, forgive the sinner. And so, Emma, would you read verses 7 through 8? You got it. I'm reading in the ESV, starting in verse 7. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. I just love how Paul phrases that. 
and not only reaffirming his love for them, but this idea of, okay, so you have to turn and forgive this, someone. This person who messed up. And it's, you know, when, when we look through First Corinthians, we just went through the entire book and this theme of over and over, we see this idea of correction. And especially like in First Corinthians 5 specifically, yes, which we, talked we see, about. you know, unrepentance. And hey, what do we do with unrepentance? And Paul takes this take of kind of what we saw as a severe punishment. And we got to talk through that and Church work through discipline. it. Um, but we see what happens with that unrepentance. When it turns to severe punishment, that is justice. And that is something that the church gets to look at and say, hey, that is loving. But the take that Paul takes here is that hey, when someone acknowledges their sin and forsakes their sin, Paul turns into this pastoral earnest advocate for mm. them. And he does it out of love to specifically, he begs them to reaffirm their love for this person. Yeah, because there's a, a reality with the discipline piece that when in 1 Corinthians, when we see mm -hmm. them saying, hey, church discipline, you need to remove this man from the congregation, kick him out. That feels really harsh, but that's the most loving thing they could do. Oh, absolutely. And here, you could have somebody who's been under church discipline, but they're now potentially returning and are repentant. And Paul's point is, hey, don't hold a grudge. Would 100%. You say? Even in First Corinthians, the the division, the mm. idolatry, like he goes through so many topics of corrections. But then you get to First Corinthians thirteen, and he talks about love. Yeah, and he talks about hey, what what is love? And it's that summary of, hey, correction is out of love, but now here, but forgiveness is also out of love, mm. is that when someone repents, is that, hey, we are called to, to forgive them. And I think of Luke 17, verses 3 through 4, and it says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And, and Paul acts this out here. He shows the Corinthians, hey, what does that look like? When someone repents, you forgive them, and it's out of love. And so the idea of we, we forgive out of love, I, I was thinking, and I was reading through 1 John 4, uh, 19 through 20, and uh, on the inside of my wedding ring is uh, a verse of 1 John 4. We love because he first loved us. And when you read through 1 John 4, it, it kind of goes through an order of, hey, God is love. And in his love, he sent his son so that we might live. And not because we loved him, but because he loved us. And then therefore, we should love others. And we love because he first loved us. And so what Paul is doing here in this idea of forgiveness is he's saying, hey, because truly God loved me, I must forgive others in love. And so it's a, it's a beautiful start to this book, another hard book that we're going yes. through, but this idea that, hey, the love of God calls us to forgive. That's strong. That's strong. I like at the end of the chapter, in verses 15 and 16, he says, For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Verse 16, To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? And on one hand, that verse is really encouraging because as we walk in love and forgive others, we are the aroma of Christ. But when at the end, at the end of this chapter, it can be confusing to, to read that we could be the aroma of death or a fragrance from death to death to those who don't know Jesus, to those who are perishing. That doesn't sound like it makes sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. But as, as we were talking before this episode, I thought back to um, 
my time in high school, and I was following Jesus in high school, and there was a group of girls who were really into the party scene and just making some poor choices. And those girls, there were times when they wouldn't invite me to things, and they knew that I was a Christian, and sometimes they'd send me Snapchats of them making poor choices to kind of taunt me a little bit. And I uh, would get disappointed that I'd get left out. But then I realized it was because they knew that I wouldn't participate if they invited me to a hangout where sinful behaviors were going down. And I began to ask, like, why? Don't they know I still love them and whatever? And on one hand, I'm like, man, I think that's the Lord's protection because I didn't need to be in that room. Yeah. Uh, but also it's because when you put the presence of light in darkness, it's convicting. And they were looking at my life and knowing when Emma's here, we'll be reminded that what we're doing is wrong. And so we would rather just not be around Emma. And that's really hard when they're your friends and you care about them. But it also makes a whole lot of sense because sometimes when people are chasing after sin, it's not fun to be reminded that what you're doing isn't best for you. Not at all. Which is a tough way to, I don't know, think about a relationship with lost people in a way that's like, man, I just want them to get it. Like I I want them to see that this is, this is a good thing. And so we get to pray that they would and pray that they'd look at our lives and the seed that was planted in high school might come to flourish years later. Actually, you know what? One of those girls actually reached out to me maybe three years ago. I got a random text and she was like, hey, I know this is so random, but I was actually, I'm trying to do a Bible study. Do you have any recommendations? Mm-hmm. Out of the blue. And so it's it's cool to see that God can still do a work in someone's life years later when it felt pretty frivolous and unfruitful during the time. And and that's the power of God's word. And I, I love what it says in that last verse is we're not peddlers of God's word, but men of sincerity. It's commissioned by God in the sight of God we speak in Christ. And that's what you got to do. And the cool thing about that, Ben, is that I got to do that, but really it's Christ in and through me. So as we study Second Corinthians every day, we're ending by saying it's Christ in and through us because the reality is on our own, We're powerless to love other people. But actually, we can as Christ works in and through us. Hey, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe, because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.